0: Chapter fifteen of Part Two of the Lives of the Three Mrs. Judsons by Arabella M. Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifteen Illness of Her Children, Death of One of Them, Her Missionary Labors and Family Cares. Her declining health. Poem Her Last Illness and Death. The seventh year of her marriage with Mr. Judson was a year of peculiar trial to Mrs. J all her four children were attacked by whooping-cough followed by one of the diseases of the climate with which she also was so violently afflicted that her life was for a time despaired of she felt sure as she afterwards said that her hour of release was come that her master was calling her and she blessed god that she was entirely willing to leave all and go to him the only hope of recovery for any of them was a sea voyage and they embarked for bengal but their passage was stormy and they derived little benefit from their stay at Serampore, where they had taken up their residence a voyage to the mauritius was recommended and the alarming situation of three of the children as well as mrs judson's feeble state determined them to try it but before they embarked it was her melancholy lot to lay one of her darlings in the grave and he the very one about whose health she had felt the least uneasiness he sleeps says his mother in the mission burial ground where moulders the dust of carrie marshman and ward her tears at his burial flowed not only for him that was dead but for another who she expected would soon follow him to avert this calamity she hastened her voyage which though fearfully tempestuous provided beneficial to the sufferers and after a short sojourn in the soft climate of the isle of france the family returned to their home in malmaine restored with the exception of one son to sound health this son who bore the name of his father was called by the natives puen which signifies a flower a name adopted by his parents. After a long illness he too was restored to health. Mrs. Judson's labors during the latter part of her life are recorded by her husband, and it may well excite the wonder of those women who consider the care of their families a sufficient task, that she could find time and strength for such an amount of labor. It has been said that her translation of Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is a work worth living for her husband says it is one of the best pieces of composition we have published she also translated a tract written by her husband edited a chapel hymn book and furnished for it twenty of its best hymns and published four volumes of scripture questions for use in the sabbath schools when we consider that she was the mother of a rapidly increasing family and the head of an establishment which like all in the east require constant and vigilant superintendence and that she was exemplary in the discharge of her maternal and domestic duties we are led to fancy she must have possessed some secret charm by which she could stay the hurrying feet of time and hold the fleet angel fast until he blessed her such a secret was her untiring zeal which prompted an incessant industry THE SANDS OF TIME ARE INDEED NUMEROUS, AND WHEN EACH IS VALUED AS A SPARKLING TREASURE THEY FORM A RICH HOARD, LAID UP WHERE NEITHER MOTH NOR RUST CORRUPT, BUT IF WE LET THEM ESCAPE unheeded, OR SIT AND IDLY WATCH THEIR FLOW, AND EVEN SHAKE THE GLASS TO HASTEN IT, THEY WILL GATHER INTO MILLSTONE, weight TO SINK US IN ENDLESS, UNAVAILING REGRET. THOUGH SHE IS DEAD, MRS. JUDSON'S WORKS STILL LIVE and generation after generation of Burmans will associate her name with that of her honored husband as benefactors to their race in december eighteen forty four the health of mrs judson began to decline her anxious husband determined to leave no means untried to save a life so precious to the mission and so invaluable to himself and his family decided to quit for a while his loved labors of burma and accompany his wife to america they in may eighteen forty five sailed and on reaching the isle of france she found herself so far restored that she could no longer conscientiously detain her husband from his duties in india and she resolved to let him go back to their home there while she with her children should complete the journey that still seemed necessary for her entire restoration one of the sweetest of her poems was occasioned by this resolution we part on this green islet love thou for the eastern main i for the setting sun love oh when to meet again my heart is sad for thee love for lone thy way will be and oft thy tears will fall love for thy children and for me The music of thy daughter's voice thou'lt miss for many a year, and the merry shout of thine elder boys thou'lt listen in vain to hear. When we knelt to see our Henry die and heard his last faint moan, each wiped the tear from others' eye, now each must weep alone. My tears fall fast for thee, love, how can I say farewell? But go, thy God be with thee, love, thy heart's deep grief to quell yet my spirit clings to thine love thy soul remains with me and oft will hold communion sweet o'er the dark and distant sea and who can paint our mutual joy when all our wanderings o'er we both shall clasp our infants three at home on burma's shore but higher shall our rapture grow on yon celestial plain when the loved and parted here below meet ne'er to part again then gird thine armour on love nor faint thou by the way till buddha shall fall and burma's sons shall own messiah's sway but her health still sinking her husband could not leave her and she was borne back to the ship her life ebbed away so rapidly that he feared he must consign her to an ocean grave but a kind providence ordered it that her death did not occur till the ship anchored at st helena her end was as peaceful as her life had been consistent and exemplary no shade of doubt or fear or anxiety crossed her mind so writes her husband she had a prevailing preference to depart and be with christ i am longing to depart she would say and then the thought of her dear native land to which she was approaching after an absence of twenty years and a longing desire to see her son george her parents and the friends of her youth would draw down her ascending soul and constrain her to say i am in a strait betwixt two and the will of the lord be done in regard to her children she ever manifested the most surprising composure and resignation so much so that i was once constrained to say you seem to have forgotten the dear little ones we have left behind can a mother forget she replied and was unable to proceed during her last days she spent much time in praying for the early conversion of her children on the evening of the thirty-first of august i sat alone by the side of her bed endeavoring to administer relief to the distressed body and consolation to the departing soul At two o'clock in the morning, wishing to obtain one more token of recognition, I roused her attention and said, Do you still love the Saviour? Oh, yes, she replied, I ever love the Lord Jesus Christ. I said again, Do you still love me? She replied in the affirmative by a peculiar expression of her own, Then give me one more kiss, and we exchanged that token of love for the last time another hour passed and she ceased to breathe so fades the summer cloud away so sinks the gale when storms are o'er so gently shuts the eye of day so dies the wave along the shore arrangements were made to carry the body on shore the reverend mr bertram from the island came on board and was led into the stage-room where lay all that was mortal of mrs judson pleasant he says she was even in death a sweet smile of love beamed on her countenance as if heavenly grace had stamped it there the bereaved husband and three weeping children fastened their eyes upon the loved remains as if they could have looked for ever the coffin was borne to the shore the boats forming a kind of procession their oars beating the waves at measured intervals as a sort of funeral knell the earth received her dust and her bereaved husband continued his sad voyage towards his native land again a widowed mourner chapter seventeen and end of part two